five, four, three, two. This is the Come On Network podcast. Come On Network, it's on the come up for sure. The best Pittsburgh-based podcast available. Is that so? If you're committed enough, you can make any story work. I, I once convinced a woman that I was Kevin Costner, and it worked because I believed it. Bringing you the latest in Pittsburgh and national sports and entertainment with guests and a plethora of co-hosts. Can we get a come on? Come on. 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 This is where the fun begins. FNA Cotton FNA. We've let this one sit for a couple of days. It is a Steelers loss in Minnesota at U.S. Bank Stadium that we must talk about. And the Steelers, after what has happened on Sunday, probably could have really used that win in Minnesota. So we will break this one down for you, tell you a little bit about what it means going toward a playoff push for the Pittsburgh Steelers here on episode 95 of the Come On Network podcast, Steelers Reaction. Reminder to subscribe to the pod, rate it, and review it. We can be found wherever you get podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, and more. You can follow us on social media as well, on Twitter and Instagram, at Come On Network. And we're on the web at comeon.network. Our blog is there, our merch is there. Check us out online, on social media, and at comeon.network. Kyle Dawson, Donnie Chedrick, Joe Smeltzer, Jack Hillgrove with you. Our thoughts on this game in Minnesota, and I know Donnie, Jack, and, and Joe were all there in Minnesota, so if they want to pipe in uh, some thoughts on the trip and, and U.S. Bank Stadium as a whole, feel free. Uh, but then we'll get into more of a breakdown of this one as we talk about this loss for the Steelers that looked really ugly for a while, and then uh, the Steelers able to make a game out of it, and Pat Fryermuth uh, drop a great defensive play, however you want to term it. Uh, the Steelers unable to, to get into the end zone and then to try for the two to tie the game uh, in the closing seconds of it. It was a good comeback effort, uh, almost comeback anyway. Uh, there's always something to be said, I think, for going down 29 nothing late in the third quarter and end up being two plays away from sending the game into overtime. But on the other hand, there's something entirely different to be said for falling behind 29 nothing to begin with. To me, this game summed up the season perhaps better than any Steelers game has thus far. They sucked for some of it and sent people into a rage. They were good for some of it and gave people false hope. And then, in the end, they disappointed. The first two parts of that statement have already been proven true, I think, at this point in 2021. And the last one, I think, will ultimately be proven true as well because I don't see this team making it to the playoffs. And then... You throw in Maple Douche and everybody on the defense not named Cam Hayward or Minka Fitzpatrick uh, running across the field while down 29-7. You have pretty much a perfect representation of what Pittsburgh Steelers football is in the 2020s. Uh, quick thoughts on U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, it's probably, I haven't been to many NFL stadiums. I've been to, let's see, one, two, three, four. That would have been five. Uh, that's by far the best one I've been to so far. Uh, being in a dome was cool. 
Uh, the skull chant was cold. Uh, third down horn they have was great. Uh, my only complaint was um, the sound uh, wasn't, uh, we couldn't really hear everything coming in. That, that might have been more uh, that we were in the nosebleeds. And my other complaint is that Florida gave maybe the worst performance of all time. Uh, my ass could have put on a better halftime show than Florida. Uh, but other than that, uh, it was a great experience, and I just wish I could have come away with a win, but that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Well, Joe, maybe your ass should try to sing My House uh, the next time I see you. Uh, and to, to quote the great Pat Boyer, who was also with us, uh, a, a friend of mine and a friend of ours, uh, you could call them nosebleeds. I can see the things that hold up the stadium behind me. Uh, we were high up. I mean, you know, we're all guys that have to work with a budget being that we're all in our uh, early to mid twenties. Uh, but you know, my thoughts on the stadium, it was the, the nicest one I've been into uh, a close. Yeah, that that how of it, that might've been the best how of it I ever had. <laughs> uh, the, the, the second one would be Lucas oil. Uh, the fans were good people. You know, we didn't really have any sort of problems. And, you know, even with the Steelers' valiant comeback, which I'll get to, uh, you know, and I'm sure the uh, reactions that we had and the obscenities that we were shouting to each other in the excitement, uh, nobody really raised a finger uh, at any of us. So, I mean, I was appreciative of all that. Uh, a pretty cool game day atmosphere. Um, you know, like Joe said, uh, some of their traditions there in Minnesota, uh, are pretty solid. Um, you know, the uh, tailgating experience was a little bit different for us being that we flew in and we didn't have a car available to set up a formal tailgate. Uh, but what they had was just sort of a huge open area uh, just across the street from the stadium that had uh, a live band, you know, a bunch of stands set up. We pretty much just rolled in there with two cases of our own beer. Nobody said a word. Uh, and we just had ourselves a day it was what i described as what pittsburgh wishes that little area around stage ae was uh but it's stage ae in that area there there's just not enough room to do what they uh do up in the great north uh besides that the snow was a big story um i've never uh seen a place that could care less with how much snow came down on the ground uh i believe our last day there our last full day there was friday uh, and it snowed the entirety of the day from the time we all woke up through the night up until 6 a.m. on Saturday. And I didn't see a single plow go down a main road, uh, maybe one salt truck. It was like they didn't even care. We get that snow around here. And I understand we get snow. It's cold in Pittsburgh. But people kind of freak out when they get a good amount of snow. There had to be a good foot plus in Minnesota. And it was like, those people did not give a hoot what was going on. They just lived their lives like normal. Uh, so to jump away from the trip, uh, you know, we'll, we'll dive into the game. Uh, obviously a tough one, but the entertainment value was among uh, the best I've seen from the Steelers on the road. Um, you know, at least in all the, the trips that the three of us, Jack, and you know, the, all the other guys have taken, uh, a horrible first half, a horrible first two and a half quarters. But, you know, I think I tweeted after the game. I can't complain from a fan standpoint. Obviously, it sucks now that the Steelers are in a tougher situation because of it. But to be trailing 29 to nothing with, I think, four minutes to go in the third quarter 
and take this game down to the final play uh, is pretty incredible to me. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, again, uh, going back to the fountain of youth, you know, he threw on the Cape uh, in the locker room at halftime. He rode out on that white horse uh, (laughs) out into the second half. I mean, he put the team on his back and it almost willed the Steelers to victory three touchdowns over 300 yards. Uh, you know, he got beat up in this game. There were some sacks that he took and he took five sacks where he got absolutely slammed from the blind side. And I think some of us had thoughts of like, just take him out at halftime, not because of his numbers or because of his performance, but because sooner or later with a 39 year old quarterback, you're going to get the guy killed. He was getting pounded, especially in the first half of that game. But Ben being Ben, he stood in there. Uh, He made the plays when he had to. Uh, Najee Harris ended up putting together a nice day. He had two touchdowns, one receiving, one rushing. Uh, My guy, James Washington, uh, he had a a really good performance, including that uh, 30-yard touchdown, which was a great grab that he came down with. And that was the point in the game that uh, really got us all hyped up. Um, I don't know what the, the vibe was for you, Kyle, or, you know, anybody watching at home, but that was the point in the game where I thought these guys might actually do this here. These guys might actually do this because I believe it brought the score to 29, 21. Uh, but you know, the, the defense, just the way it played in the first half was horrible. Um, Dalvin cook looked like the greatest running back to ever put on a pair of cleats. You know, you can combine Barry Sanders, Walt Payton, uh, Emmett Smith, any of those guys. And that was Dalvin Cook on Thursday night who went into the game as a game-time decision and proceeded to run for 200-plus and two touchdowns. I mean, there were holes that I think were 20, 20 yards wide. Uh, you could drive a literal car through them. And, you know, Alex Madison would go out to compliment him. He would run pretty well. He had six for 27. Uh, so the defense just allowed too many gaping plays on the ground. Obviously, that was too much to come back from uh, in the, you know, the offense was bad in the first half, but they tried to dig the whole team out of a hole in the second half. Uh, and, you know, quick, quick jump to Akello Witherspoon uh, because his performance was a good one. He had two picks in the game. Uh, I, I wasn't a fan as I don't think any of us were with the uh, group celebration in the end zone with the Steelers down three touchdowns late in the third quarter. Uh, and, as Joe mentioned, there were two guys that were noticeably not in on that celebration who were still in the game, and that was Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, so I think that sp- speaks volumes about them. Uh, but, you know, a, 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 it was a tough one You know, in, in the end. Obviously, you want to see the Steelers come out with every game, uh, but it certainly was a great one from a fan perspective and one that uh, hopefully nobody – left early or went to bed early on Thursday night and missed what could have been one of the greatest comebacks in the history of the National Football League. Well, it was the first time I've been on an airplane since I was like five years old when I went to Disney World with my parents. So that was definitely a new experience for me. And uh, other than uh, the place that we were staying, just being in the middle of a construction zone uh, off of Minnesota's campus, it was kind of hard for Ubers and... um, lifts what have you DoorDash we did a couple of times that was a little inconvenient but other than that a fantastic trip 
Uh, the stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, has to be one of, if not the nicest NFL venue uh, in the National Football League and definitely the nicest one I have been to. Um, you walk in and it just completely encapsula- encapsulates you with how everything, how modern everything is and how updated everything is. And the only gripe that I had, and I told Joe about this, was, you know, obviously Minneapolis is in a very cold climate and they're known for uh, the Nordic temperatures up there. They had fake snow rain down from the top of the um, the stadium at various points in the game, which I thought was a little weird. Like, yes, Minnesota is a very cold place and it snows a lot there, but if you're in a dome, just embrace the dome. Don't try and bring fake outdoor elements into it. Uh, I saw a shot taken on the scoreboard of the fake snow in the lights. Like, that's always a cool camera shot to have when you're outdoors, but to me it just didn't really do anything for an indoor venue. But other than that, a great time, and that was the only thing that I enjoyed about what took uh, took place in U.S. Bank Stadium Thursday night, at least uh, until the second half of the football game. Uh, this team's just not very good, and in addition to them not being very good, they aren't mentally, they're mentally worse than how physically they're good, if that makes any sense. Obviously, you saw Big Ben in the offense storm back in the second half. The defense with a couple of great plays. Akella Witherspoon, Kyle, who you talked about at nauseum and rightfully so in our last episode, played tremendous down the stretch. But mentally, this team is an absolute train wreck, a dumpster fire, whatever you want to call it. And it's sad to see because not only have the Steelers been known uh, known in the past for hard no- hard-nosed football, the the players are always mentally tough and well-prepared, and I just don't think, especially in this game and down the stretch as this season goes, that uh, the will to play is there from this team, except from maybe uh, number 7 on offense and number 97 on defense and a rookie sprinkled in here or there. It's sad to see, and I think that's relatively pretty much why they lost the game. Well, to go back to Donnie's point real quickly, a lot of people went to bed early, judging by my Twitter feed on Thursday night. And I know Andrew Filippone left the game early. I don't know what that and was. He about. tried to slander <laughs> me, apparently. I'm going to have to have a, that talk with him uh, th- this week. But I, I guess he, he did mention Donnie football was talking about leaving early. I did not leave early to, <laughs> to clarify that. But there was a point. When we, we all kind of looked at each other and said, all right, we'll give these guys one more drive. We'll give these guys one more drive. And sure enough, that was the ticket to get the Steelers rally going. Yeah, that probably was the three-yard pass from Ben Roethlisberger for Najee Harris to get into the end zone, get the Steelers on the board, the 10-play, 75-yard drive. Uh, Najee's touchdown run, the one-yard run, didn't really do much for me at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I'm still thinking, you know what, it's – even though it's early in the fourth quarter, I mean, there are a couple first downs for Dalvin Cook and the, the Vikings away from uh, being out of this game again, even though it's a 15-point game at that time. And uh, fortunately, the Vikings tried to give it away, something that they, they've tried to do all year long and have successfully done it a couple of times because this Vikings team should be way better than what it is. So I think Kirk Cousins is having a damn good season. And Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the National Football League. He's not as good as he looked in the first half against the Steelers on Thursday night. Uh, But I don't think any running back in the NFL would replicate that unless they're playing the Steelers in the first half on Thursday night. I think Benny Snell would have gone for 150 yards in the first half on Thursday night against the Steelers defense. It was that bad. 
Uh, and before I, I talk anything about what happened late in the game, and I was very impressed offensively and even defensively with what happened late in the game, and same way we were with the Los Angeles Chargers loss, uh, it's just too little too late because of how bad the start was. Uh, as good as Ben Roethlisberger was on the offensive side of the football for the final quarter and a half or the final, what, roughly 17, 18 minutes of the football game, he was equally, if not more bad leading up to that as, as an offensive hole. And it wasn't just Ben. The offensive line was terrible. Uh, couldn't get the run game going. Didn't care to get the run game going at times. They couldn't move the football. They couldn't get first downs. They couldn't get that big play. Couldn't get into the end zone. Had the missed field goal on the first drive of the football game that Boswell came up short on. Um, it was it was really bad. At one point, I wasn't sure what was worse, the Steelers defense or the Steelers offense. And I think ultimately I would have sided uh, against the defense as it was being worse than the offense because it was that bad defensively uh, throughout the first three, two and a half quarters of the football game. The uh, opening drive missed field goal for Minnesota really didn't end up mattering because Justin Jefferson found some holes on uh, deep slant patterns and and against the Steelers defense where the linebackers just were completely biting on the play action because they had no answers for the run game. And as a result of having no answers for the run game, they weren't really able to make up for it in the past game. And that's where Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and others tore them up a little bit in there in that regard before Cook's touchdowns. A 29-yard touchdown run is one of the ones Donnie's talking about where you could have driven a car through the whole hell. You could have taken a, 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 the four-lane highway through the the hole that, that Dalvin Cook had on that 29-yard touchdown run. Absolutely terrible. No contain. Uh, this run defense over the last month, month and a half or so continues to be absolutely atrocious other than the Baltimore win, uh, the Cincinnati game, the Los Angeles game. It just continues to look uh, putrid on the defensive side of the football trying to stop the run. And, and the Vikings, fortunately for them, were able to get a couple of field goals in the third quarter because if not for that, they might lose this football game because of what the Steelers were able to do late. Uh, and before I get into that, I know this is going to end up being really long-winded for all of us uh, as a result of what this game was, but uh, there's a lot to complain about. And if you've ever listened to our podcast, our reaction, we don't shy away from – complaining about the things that deserve to be complained about and pushing um, some of our envelope here uh, at 29 to seven, when Akello Witherspoon had the first interception and these guys have already touched on it, that celebration is a culture problem that shows nothing to me, but that the Steelers have a culture problem. I didn't know that Cam, I knew Cam Hayward and Minka weren't involved, but I didn't know. Maybe it wasn't as obvious to the people watching at home that those guys weren't as involved maybe as it, it was to you guys. Uh, in the stadium coming off the field. Uh, but that doesn't surprise me. Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick, I, I want to lump Chase Claypool into this because you remember all back when in training camp when Chase Claypool and Minka Fitzpatrick had a little scuffle and it wasn't really well reported on during training camp because nobody knew what would happen and everyone kind of just brushed it off, put it under the rug, uh, if you will. Maybe that was the sign of of a culture problem back then, too, and Minka Fitzpatrick and being a leader on this football team, despite his youthfulness, uh, having an objection to what Chase Claypool was doing. I guess maybe the wrong music was played at training camp during uh, during practice there. But I'm surprised neither uh, at least Joe and Donnie hit on the Chase Claypool celebration at the end and the first down too. maybe we touch on that afterward here. But. Um, just just an absolutely pathetic showing through the first two and a half quarters and really until that Najee Harris touchdown pass from Ben Roethlisberger. And after that, it was really impressive. The defense gets another turnover from Witherspoon, gets the stops when they need them. And Ben Donnie's right, put on the white 
uh, white cape got on the horse and, and started to come back and bring this football team back to within earshot of, of tying the football game. And maybe you don't get the two point conversion after Pat Fryermuth catches the touchdown pass, but that was a hell of a throw and a hell of a route on, on what would have been a near game tying touchdown pass there in the final play of the football game. Uh, Fryermuth just had it knocked out by Harrison Smith. I thought he made the better play. Uh, maybe Fryer Muth in a couple years is a, is a guy that hangs on to that football. I don't know that there are many tight ends, maybe other than Kelsey or Kittle, that holds on to that football in the end zone with the play that Harrison Smith made. Uh, but I'm not putting anything on Pat Fryer Muth. I know there were some people that were upset uh, with Fryer Muth not catching that football as much as I'd like him to catch it. I just, I'm not going to lay any blame on him uh, for that. Uh, so really good stuff in the fourth quarter from the offense. It, but again, it just feels like a, a, shot, a shot wasted for the Steelers. I mean, everything that happened on Sunday, if you're a Steelers fan watch, uh, listening to this, uh, you know what has happened on Sunday. The Steelers are blown opportunities away, and maybe not even, even blown opportunity in Los Angeles. But you win this game against Minnesota, and you had beaten Detroit already. This Steelers team is sitting pretty right now going into the last four weeks of the season. Instead, the Detroit game's a tie. This game's a loss, and the Steelers are still on the outside looking in to what looks like now. We went on preview, and I, I went on the record saying, I don't think that nine wins can get you in. I think after Sunday, nine wins might get you in in the AFC, and I don't know that the Steelers have three wins left, but they have to win three to get to nine. If you don't get to nine, you're not getting in in the AFC. I don't know if we want to hit on the Claypool uh, first down celebration or anything that happened with him. I know he got benched earlier in the game as well. After the personal foul, he only got benched for roughly five plays or whatever it was. But uh, clearly, there's there's a little bit of a culture problem that stems in Claypool's regard and in that interception celebration, which is just inexcusable to me down 29 to seven. Give the football to the ref, get over to the sideline and figure out how the hell you can stop Dalvin Cook in the Minnesota offense at that point. Yeah, I mean, I referred to him as Maple Douche earlier. I think that's a pretty good uh, indication of uh, what I think about uh, Chase Claypool's uh, celebration and just Chase Claypool in general, to be honest. Um, it's disappointing because he played a pretty good game from a box score standpoint. He got benched by Mike Tomlin in the first half, came back out, made some big plays, made some really nice catches, and you're thinking, okay, maybe this guy's getting it together. And then even on even on the play that everybody's talking about, he makes that catch for the first down, and has to do with celebration. The Steelers lose some time because of it. And as for uh, Dalvin Cook, I mean, it's hard to uh, say too much. He ran for over 200 yards. He was questionable coming in. He's one of the best best backs in the NFL, and he proved that. And the Steelers' defense proved that it can't stop the run, and that's been an issue uh, for several weeks ongoing, with the possible exception of the Ravens game, going back to what Austin Eckler did and what Joe Mixon did and what uh, – DeAndre Swift did uh, to uh, this defense. So, uh, yeah, just Chase Claypool, I don't – I like his talent. I really don't like anything else about the guy, and I think that pretty much represents how the Steelers fan base feels about Chase Claypool, even the more optimistic people, the fanboys as we refer to them, even they're starting to turn on Claypool a little bit, and I think he's got to get together um, or else um, I wouldn't mind seeing him traded or at least – them try to trade him this offseason. Yeah, Chase Claypool is the jackass that everyone acted like Juju Smith-Schuster was uh, last year. But, you know, to set the record straight, and, like, I, I, I have been 
critical of, of Juju in the past, but what, what I've said over the, these last few weeks, because this certainly isn't the first occurrence of something stupid done by Chase Claypool, is that Juju Smith-Schuster was outstanding his first two seasons in the NFL. Sure, you could credit a lot of that to Antonio Brown being the number one receiver, and you know maybe Juju wasn't ready to step in and be that wide receiver one, uh, but that's okay. He was still solid. I mean, he takes hits uh, like the toughest receivers in the league. He is a very tough player. He will get in the nitty-gritty uh, in the slot. He does anything you ask the guy to do. Sure, you know, maybe not a fan of his off-the-field goofiness. I wouldn't even call them antics because it's not like Juju's out there getting into trouble. Uh, but, you know, the dancing and TikToks and whatever. But Chase Claypool has taken it a step further because not only has he participated in that, he has been an on-the-field issue as well, along with being a bit of an off-the-field issue whenever he kicked the guy in the head at a bar in the offseason, uh, which hasn't really been talked about since. But what he did on Thursday, he, just having two absolutely boneheaded plays, uh, one of them early in the game that Mike Tomlin called him over to the bench for, and then the play late in the game. And I don't think people that don't understand football as well, don't understand how big of an issue that was because you, you, you have to see how other players have reacted to things like that in the past. And I know the video of Larry Fitzgerald uh, late in games went around this weekend in Pittsburgh, which it should have. And not everybody quite did what Larry Fitzgerald did where he would grab the football and sprint to the line to hand it to the official and get it ready to go. Uh, I'm not asking a player to do that every single time, but to react for your own personal gain when there's 20 seconds left on the clock and your team doesn't have any timeouts, and then you proceed to get into an on-field argument with a veteran player, you know, and I know Trey Turner isn't the best player on the field, but he was trying to be a veteran and be a leader and get Chase Claypool in line and ready to go. And then you see Claypool yelling his face after the play and then after the game, he basically blames Trey Turner for what happened. He doesn't take any responsibility for it, and he looks like an even bigger jerk than he did when it happened. So, you know, for as good as his talent is, and it is great talent, you know, I'm not one of those people that will call him Mapletron and compare him to what I think was the best receiver that we have personally ever seen uh, as guys in our early to mid-20s. Uh, Calvin Johnson, I'm not going to compare him to that because Calvin Johnson is pretty much in a league of his own with all-time greats, but I don't know if that talent is worth it going forward, and I'm saying down the line. You know, obviously he has uh, a rookie contract that'll go uh, for the next few seasons, but is it worth keeping a guy like that around if he continues to act this way? Because soon enough, and I have this fear, and I, I might have brought it up uh, last week or brought it up on the trip after the game, I have a fear of what will happen in the Steelers' locker room after guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Hayward are done. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is pretty much at the end of the line. If that report that came out a few weeks ago is true, 
this is it for him. He has a few games left as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Cam Hayward might have three to five years, might. He plays a very physical position on the field, and he's already in his early 30s. Uh, obviously, he's aging in football terms like a fine wine, but eventually that's going to run out, and you know Hayward's going to be done. I fear what happens when that day comes, and you know I hope that there's some sort of switch that flips in the head of some of these younger guys, and mainly Chase Claypool. You know, I couldn't really tell from our seat, or maybe it was just because we were so far away, or us and getting caught up in the excitement of Claypool getting the first down to extend the ball game for the Steelers. I couldn't tell what he did after the play or what caused the delay for them to get up and spike the ball. Um, but, you know, naturally after the game, you check social media, you see highlights, and you see what Chase Claypool did. And, and I mean, it's just despicable. Um, you know, obviously. The Steelers hold themselves or try to hold themselves to a higher standard than some other teams in the NFL, but there are some pretty bad teams in football. Jacksonville, Detroit come to mind, but I don't think that there's a guy on any team in the league other than Chase Claypool does what he does in that scenario except for Chase Claypool. Maybe Juju. I don't know. Juju might be a little bit mentally more uh, with it than that because he's been around in the league longer. But I saw that, and I get frustrated. And then I stumble across the idiot's post-game press conference and just completely brushing off the fact, oh, you know, he says, oh, I got to be better. That's on me. I got to be better. But that was an empty, you know, statement. I, You know, I did my thing. That's the statement that irks me. I did my first down thing. Whenever your team is trying to win a football game in the late stages like the Steelers were on Thursday night and really trying to play for the sake of their season, all bets of all personal celebrations go out the window. And then Trey Turner, who we've complained about spitting on other players uh, earlier in the season, that guy's an NFL veteran. He knows, and his reaction to Chase Claypool was warranted. It was like, dude, what the heck? Get on the line of scrimmage so we can snap the ball. And then they snap the ball, and then Chase Claypool proceeds to scream and yell at his offensive lineman like it was his fault, uh, and then continues to blame him for it openly in his post-game press conference. Uh, it makes me sick. And if I'm Mark Madden, obviously you know that Mark Madden has this distinct dislike for Juju Smith-Schuster. At this point, if I'm Mark Madden, and I know it is for me at this sake, my dislike for Chase Claypool now goes far and beyond any you know, gripes I would personally have with Juju as a player or Mark Madden obviously does. But if I'm Madden, Juju takes precedence on the uh, the complaints on Twitter. Just an absolute disgrace of a performance. And, uh, you know, if he wasn't such a, a sure talent, I, I, I don't know that he's worth, you know, being on this roster, frankly, if he's going to act like that. Yeah, I think those those thoughts sum it up for me pretty well. And I already touched on it a little bit in terms of general, just to expound a little bit. Uh, the interception I have a massive problem with. I think I have a bigger problem with the interception celebration than I do with the Claypool one at the end of the football game on the first down. Uh, and I think that I have a bigger problem with it because of the game situation, though it's pretty close in terms of game situation there and and what it means. I don't like celebrating uh, making one play. That was the first play the Steelers defense made the entire football game. The first legitimate play they made the entire football game. And to celebrate after that, when you were at that point uh, down 29 to seven uh, and really looking pathetic on defensive side of the ball, I've have, I have a bigger issue with that 
celebration I did with Claypool. And, and here's my uh, take on the Claypool situation. Uh, the personal foul was boneheaded, uh, but the personal foul was also a ticky tacky call that I think is a league wide problem right now. Uh, but really, it, again, it's it's letter of the law. You can't do it. And they've been told a million times you can't do what Claypool did. You can't put, lay a hand on the other guy either. Uh, if you're just talking one thing or the point that was in one of the games earlier, it's one thing. Uh, that's letter of the law. But Claypool was just an idiot during that personal foul. And then he uh, got blown up on a block a couple plays later after he nearly fumbled the play before he got blown up on the run block. So bad, bad start to the football game for Chase Claypool. He got a lot better as the game went on. And I was really disappointed at the first down celebration with 38 seconds or 36 seconds left, whatever it was, because he was having a great drive up until up until that play, including catching the ball for a fourth down conversion there and moving the sticks for Pittsburgh. Uh, he had an amazing catch on, on the call that would have been DPI anyway, but that was an incredible catch along the sideline. And then he just does something so immature and boneheaded is pointing for a first down and celebrating as a selfish act himself only to have Trey Turner have to come give him the, the words necessary. And maybe, maybe Trey Turner did knock the football away. I don't think Trey Turner being over there helped the situation, but Chase Claypool, if he doesn't celebrate the first down, Trey Turner isn't over there to try and disrupt that and get the football back to the official, whether Claypool was trying to turn around or not. It ended up costing the Steelers by the next snap. snap. I think it was about 14 seconds that the Steelers lost. And I don't think that the celebration itself cost them more than one or two, but it was the process of getting the football back to the official and getting the snap off. They probably have maybe one more play if they're lucky. And that's also keeping in mind that later in the drive, right before the final play, uh, Deontay Johnson getting out of bounds out of a missed tackle that the, the Vikings had the opportunity to make in the open field didn't make. And Deontay was able to scramble past the sideline to give the Steelers a chance to throw it to the end zone. So the Claypool thing, it's, it just shows, and it's been goes, goes back to the Minka thing in, in training camp for me. There's a, there's a level of immaturity that is very obvious with Chase Claypool. It's incredibly selfish. It's boneheaded to do what he does. And he continues to be an issue off the field, though I will say I'm probably one of the better ardent defenders of Chase Claypool's talent. He's probably the most talented receiver the Steelers have on this roster right now in terms of what he can bring to, to the football game, in terms of being a vertical threat, in terms of making combat catches, uh, doing some stuff out of the slot. He can be a matchup nightmare in the slot for the Steelers. Uh, I do think Deontay Johnson is the best receiver on this roster. I think he's the number one if you have a number one. But Claypool's talent is very, very obvious. If he cleans up his act and can be a leader on this team, I think that the Steelers have a, a good thing going with Chase Claypool. But if he continues to do things like he did uh, uh, with the music quote and what he did in the game in Minnesota, I think that's going to continue to be a problem for the Steelers. And he's going to continue to alienate part of this fan base, uh, same way as Juju did, even though Juju looks like a saint compared to Chase Claypool right now, because at worst, Juju was dancing on logos. That was the extent of Juju's problems and a couple fumbles that are huge fumbles in Smith Schuster's career, but it's nowhere near the level, I think, of immaturity that Chase Claypool has shown on and a little bit away from the field as well for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, let's jump over. Let's talk our biggest takeaways. We will hit on our kind of our playoff picture and what we're thinking about that during preview for the upcoming game against the Tennessee Titans. because That's a big one for the Steelers, but let's talk our, our biggest takeaway from this game. 
My takeaway is that while I think Ben probably wants to be done at the end of this season, I don't know if he couldn't play anymore if he wanted to. Um, I've kind of downplayed uh, what Ben's been able to do um, since uh, since the Steelers went on that little uh, four-game run after losing in Green Bay. Um, a lot of people uh, were talking about how well Ben was playing. I thought, for the most part, during that stretch, he was a game manager more than anything else, a guy that wouldn't lose you a game, and for a 39-year-old quarterback, that's pretty good. But now, watching him in the second half against Baltimore and watching him in the second half against Minnesota, he can, he still has something. He might not have it anymore, but he has something left. And being that I think the quarterback next season might be Ru Mason Rudolph should Ben retire, I still think Ben might be a better, the best option for the Pittsburgh Steelers realistically if he were to decide to keep playing in 2022. I think he is going to retire, but I don't know if he still can't play another year if his heart wanted it. I think this team is as average as average can be. And I know the famous phrase, any given Sunday, uh, holds true a lot. But this is truly a, a football team that can win or lose to anybody in the league. It just all depends on how they feel like playing that day. Uh, you're coming off a one of the biggest wins of the season, uh, taking down Baltimore at home. It was the you know Ben Roethlisberger redemption story. Uh, you know he had the huge fourth quarter, and the the Steelers were really riding high after that one. And then you go into Minnesota, uh, a team that has just lost to at that time the winless. Uh, Detroit Lions and Minnesota loses that game. So you're thinking this one is right here for the Steelers to take advantage of uh, a short week, but they can't do it. You know, they come out completely flat. Minnesota looks great. They're clicking uh, on all cylinders, running the football with ease. Again, Dalvin Cook, 200 yards. He had like 140 early in the first half. And you need Ben Roethlisberger to try and save you down the stretch. So uh, to Joe's point saying that I don't know if Ben could play even if he wanted to, that's probably true because, again, he got absolutely hammered at some points in this game uh, with some blindside hits. They looked ugly uh, in person and probably on TV. They, they were more ugly on TV probably than they looked in person. <laughs> he – like there, there were times when he got absolutely smashed and I had concerns that he wouldn't be able to get back up because again, 39 years old, you might as well be 79 years old in real life at that point when you're playing a game as gruesome uh, as football at the, at an age near 40. Uh, but it's, it's so puzzling with this team. I mean, there's a lot of teams in their situation. I know we'll point to that, but, Half of the AFC is between six and seven and seven and six going into the final four games of the year. So things could fall into place for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The thing is, we have no idea. They could go three and one. They could go one and three. They could go oh and four. They, they could go any combination down these final four games. And I would not be surprised with really any of them. You know, Pat Narduzzi and the Pitt Panthers, their slogan this year uh, for the football team was we, not me, which I think is a great slogan. You know, it's not about us individually. It's about the bigger part of what we're trying to do here. 
For the Steelers this year, it seems like it's me, not we. And that's my biggest takeaway is that in my lifetime, in my 23 years on earth, this is probably the most selfish football team I have ever seen or rooted for. Um, Claypool's postgame press conference proved it. You know, time and time again, within the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of individual things between various players take precedent over the bigger picture. And frankly, I think that's why that this team has not won another championship since 2008. Uh, it's a shame to see. I never thought that it would get to this point for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But my biggest takeaway is that individually, and it's not everybody on this team, I'm sure that there is a good portion, a good chunk of guys on the Steelers right now that are about the bigger picture of things. But I don't think that's everybody, and you need everybody, especially your key guys, to be on board. And I'm talking to you, Chase Claypool. Shape up, because the next four, five games, whatever it is, is going to be pretty rough for this team if it keeps up. And that's just a shame for the way, uh, for that to, to be the way that it shakes out, especially if this is and looks like Big Ben's last season in black and gold. Uh, just a very disappointing way to end his career for the Steelers and uh, just a shame overall. My biggest takeaway is that it's all about the individual success and not about this team's success. Well, I'll say this going back to Donnie's point. If they win all four games... And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's a prayer for that to happen. But let's just for shits and giggles for a second. The Steelers win all four games. They might win the division with 10 wins. And I think 10 wins is going to win the AFC North right now. And I said on preview for this Minnesota game that I think that 10 wins is going to be required to get in to the postseason. I no longer. Yeah, I, prob I probably should retract that, not not to cut you off. But if they if they beat Kansas City on the road, the way Kansas City's playing, I would be pretty stunned. Uh, but three and one is what I think they have to do. Right. And I think three wins will get them to nine. And I think I said, I said, I don't think nine gets you in going into this week. Having watched what I did on Sunday and what all of us did on Sunday, I think nine gets you in, in the AFC. And maybe it, cause again, nine, seven and one for Pittsburgh is better than any team that is nine and eight. It doesn't matter head to head nine, seven, and one is better than nine and eight from a win percentage standpoint. So that gets the Steelers in right there. That's the first tiebreaker if it's a 9-8 and eight team that they're contending with. Uh, but they have to get to nine wins to do that. I don't think Tennessee is an inc increasingly winnable game like a lot of the Steelers fan base is going to talk about. That team is a very good football team despite uh, what they're dealing with from an injury standpoint and being uh, relatively unhealthy still going into this game, what is now in six days when this is released. Uh, as we release this on Monday the 13th, uh, the Steelers will host Tennessee on Sunday, uh, again, we'll, which we'll break down in our preview later this week. But uh, I guess my biggest takeaway is that I was wrong going into the preview here for week 14, and it's just because of so happens to be because of what happened in the NFL around Sunday uh, that I think nine wins get you in. And I think the Steelers are still alive for it. I just don't know that they are a playoff team yet or really ever have been throughout the course of this season. But again, that's because they've dug themselves too many holes. I sent a tweet about this. It didn't get much traction. None of my tweets do, but it, I sent a tweet about this after the game and I basically said, listen, the Steelers aren't a playoff team. They haven't been a playoff team yet this year. And it's because of the opportunities that they've missed uh, the tie against Detroit. They shot themselves in the foot early in the football game against the Chargers, dug a, a hole that was too deep in the long run to get out of. And they did the same thing against Minnesota. If you flip two of those three games into wins, 
the Steelers are two wins away from potentially winning an AFC North championship right now or guaranteeing them a spot in the AFC playoffs, I think, with 10 wins if you get there uh, at this rate and how things are going. Everyone's just beating the hell out of each other, and, and the schedule is, is going to be really fun down the stretch here because not a single team in the AFC North and only one game, one and a half games, separates the entire North. Not a single schedule in the North is easy. And we'll break that down more when we get to our preview episode. Uh, final order of business for Steelers reaction here is to name our player of the game. I feel feeling uh, that's a pretty easy one uh, for this game, guys. Dalvin Cook. Uh, we talked about it. He was awesome. He was the best player on the field. Uh, they don't win. If Madison's starting a running back, Vikings don't win the game. Simple as that. I'll go Dalvin Cook with an honorable mention to the, the offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings because if the holes aren't uh, 15 to 20 yards wide, Cook probably does not go for 200 and a couple of scores. And Kirk Cousins had an average game pretty much all the way down the line, but he was not sacked a single time by the uh, Steelers' front seven. I mean, there's a couple of guys for the Steelers' sake, especially down the stretch, uh, that you could give this award to. Uh, Despite me bashing him throughout the duration of this episode, Chase Claypool, eight receptions, 93 yards, but, you know, there's more to it than the stats for me, and the last play of the game proved that, so you can throw it out the window there. Deontay Johnson, five receptions, 76 yards. Najee Harris put together a good game on the ground, 20 carries, 94 yards, a touchdown. Najee also had a receiving touchdown in this game as well. And Ben was sharp down the stretch. And, you know, if my biggest takeaway wasn't the fact that I think that everybody on this team is selfish, another takeaway is that Big Ben still got it uh, in, in big moments, and he was on it in the second half. Uh, I thought the interception could have went a, a different way. I thought that was an ill-advised ball, but you took that play out, 300 yards passing, three touchdowns on 40 attempts. And for them, for Ben to look as sharp as he did on throwing the ball 40 times, I mean, he had to with them playing from behind so often. Uh, I thought he played well. But to me, you can't give this one to anybody in the Steelers, and it has to just go to Dalvin Cook. I mean, the guy was an absolute monster. 27 attempts for 205 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he knifed through the Steelers' defense easier than I've seen any player play against a defense all season. Uh, And it would be kind of stupid, frankly, to give the player of the game nods to anybody else. No sack shouldn't be a big surprise after T.J. Watt leaves in the first half. Alex Highsmith shortly follows, and it came close a couple of times to Kirk Cousins, but the defensive line pressure that my X factor going in certainly wasn't there for the Steelers, and that was something that needed to be there if they were going to win the football game. But I agree with Joe. Uh, Minnesota does not win this football game if not for Dalvin Cook being in the lineup. Uh, Alex Madison is good. He's not Dalvin Cook good, and I don't think he is running for 200 yards in that football game if he is the starter, even though the holes were gigantic throughout the entirety of the first half. So Dalvin Cook is your player of the game. I think you can toss an honorable mention to a guy like Ben Roethlisberger uh, for what he was able to do with the offense in the fourth quarter, and and that offensive line was good for Minnesota. I think you can toss an honorable mention to Justin Jefferson uh, as well. And K.J. Osborne had a big touchdown reception, though that was really his only big impact play of the football game was targeted nine times and only had three grabs in the win for the Vikings. That will wrap it up for episode 95 of the Come On Network podcast, our latest Steelers reaction episode. Before we go, a reminder to hit the subscribe button, rate our podcast, leave a review. You can tell everyone that they can find us on various podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, and more. 
Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network is the handle. And we're on the web at comeon.network. Our blog is there. Our merch is there. Be sure to check that out as well. Until next time and our Steelers preview for the Sunday contest against Tennessee at Heinz Field. Stay safe. Here we go, Steelers. And come on. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.